0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I seem to have cleared up my audio problems and uh, my editing problems, computer programs, seem to be working again. I should not jinx it, but here I am. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you for dealing with the wait. I mean, I'm putting out a lot of episodes a week and the hundred-ish more, but... If you listen to the show, send me an email, every single one of you, so that I know exactly how many people are listening to the show. Weeklypodcast at gmail.com. W E A K L Y. Why did I call it that? Uh, nobody. It's like my email address. I have one email address where it's Jick Flanagan, and everyone thinks it's a typo. Not important. Hi, my name is Nick. I'm your host. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Logo by Peter Galiniuk, this interview was edited by Mark, this interview of, with Mark Little was edited by Andrew Lloyd, aka Andy Lloyd, and I talked to Mark Little today. Mark is a amazing story uh, in, in Canadian comedy and comedy, he's just really, really funny, was part of a great sketch group called Picnic Face, whose members are all super talented. And he does voices on uh, shows like Cupcake and Dinosaur. He helped create a show called uh, Gary and his Demons. Maybe he's the only creator of it, I don't know. Him and Andrew Bush from Picnic Face created a CBC show called Cavendish. He's been to my home, I've been to his home, Uh, He's also a hilarious stand-up and does sketch comedy in Toronto all the time and He is a whirligig of energy. Although (laughs) When I went to his house for this interview He had broken his foot. So if the energy seems a little chill just know it's because his little foot was healing and He does have a little foot, but then he also has a big foot and that's normal Everyone should have that if you don't have that you're not normal Marcus hilarious We've got some more great interviews coming down the pike, whatever a pike is. And if you do want to support the podcast, uh, you know, tell a friend, and you can go on patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, where I will have put up a bunch of uh, information about where the money would go exactly. And uh, I've got some stand-up posted there, and I'm going to post some old interviews uh, that are exclusive. And... Um, just keep adding on. So I'll try to make it worth your while if you do donate monthly. And you can donate uh, with one-time donations to paypal.me slash I'll send you something good. And also, you could buy my record, uh, name your price at www... (laughs) I don't need to say www, do I? NickFlanagan.BandCamp.com Wow, that took a while. Here's Mark Little. Enjoy.
1: What kind of hair do you find weird? Weird? Yeah, like, if you... Let's say you were writing a screenplay. (laughs) Let's dive right in. And you said, like, the guy has weird hair. Yeah. Kramer. The Adventures of Kramer. High hair, tall hair.
0: But you can't have... It can't be Kramer's. Right. (laughs) But you just write, oh, a man with weird hair steps uh, in a
1: very... Um, peculiar and uh, loud way into the room. You've never written a screenplay before, <laughs> you know. But no, lately I have written
0: um, scripts. Yeah, but they're offered cartoons, which, like, I always kind of think, oh, the illustrator will have a lot of fun yeah. with uh, what they'll do. But when I read like a TV script somebody writes, or even a movie, it always feels like
1: it's like somewhat of a very detailed description. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They'll yeah. be like, Timothy, a mustache, melted candle of a man, <laughs> filled with hope, but also defeated. <laughs> yeah. With a loping gait. Yeah, they're obscuring any uh, choice <laughs> yeah, by presenting yeah. all options. They're like, okay, we got to get a, the exact right actor for this. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus, who's Timothy? Um, Chalamet. When I, it's always <laughs> uh A gorgeous boy. I've never really. I don't know what he looks like. He's a gorgeous boy. He's uh, he look. He's got the chiseled jaw of an older man, but on a boy face and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a toothpick body, and he. He represents coming of age <laughs> in an artistic way. And coming on age. Hello. About it, age man. is the name of the peach. Hang on a second. Just want to make sure. Oh, we're, we're killing it. When I say weird, you know what? I feel like weird hair, yeah. context specific, depends on who's wearing it. The weirdest hair I can picture is, you know, when you see guys like, um, who's that yeah. Brexit guy, Boris something? Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. This is his name. When they have like the floppy... Uh, the floppy like boy hair on their like old man face. Yeah, that's always that's me. good. Was that did, was Dudley Moore like that? I can't really remember. I have I do not have a picture of Dudley Moore in my. head. <laughs> well, he's only one of the most famous comedians of the last seventy. He's years. one of those guys. But who admittedly, like... the first fifty of those last seventy years. Yeah. So like, if you missed the twenty years where he was not, if you were around, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Arthur. I feel like the, his face might be on the cover of Bedazzled, and that's the, the original Bedazzled? The original Bedazzled. Sons Elizabeth Hurley? No, it was probably with, uh, you know, um, Tia Carrera. Yeah, the uh, the previous generation's Elizabeth Hurley. Because <laughs> she's from, like, Wayne's World, <laughs> and then Boss <Austin> of Sure. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so how did we meet? How did you and I meet? Yeah. In a, at a comedy show in Halifax that I for the pop explosion
0: that was the first time we met
1: That was the first time we ever met and then you were on it and I was hosting it and then I guess I was in charge of the money I really it was cut to four money. years later we ran into each other again in Toronto and you told me I still owed you some money <laughs> I did not remember but I gave you some money yeah and you didn't hate me for it Well I figured you were probably telling the truth I didn't know but I, it was also because it wasn't mine my, my, it was like <laughs> I had been in control of the money and okay know, so it's something. Uh, that's really, you know, that's big of you. And I think it's odd of me, but I, you but know. But I respected, I was like, we're at a bar. You want to buy some drinks? You saw the guy who owed you money? Come get the money. Yeah. I didn't well, hold a grudge. What
0: am I going to do? The De Niro thing? Where's my money, man?
1: Yeah. Famous De Niro, who's famous for so many movie lines. That foremost among them. Here to me are the most famous De Niro lines. Okay. And deliver them in that, what I may say, if I may say, pitch perfect De Niro accent. So this is Vegas. <laughs> yes, good. Then another one would be good. that's casino, of course. Right. Yeah. What's the bounty on Charles Grodin? Yeah, and that's of course analyze this Midnight Run. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do like that Charles Grodin plays a character named Charles Grodin in Midnight Run, <laughs> and then makes a cameo and Analyze This. Next one would be like, well, cheerio. Uh, I guess we're going to. Fight in the War of Old Times again. As Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um. Taxi Driver. No, it's him. Close. It's him playing saxophone in New York, New York. Ah, never seen. Yeah. I never saw it either. Well, what but you know... Is that a musical or he just plays a musician? Uh I think there is a lot of music in it, but it's not uh it doesn't have, like, you know, start spread. <laughs> it doesn't have like <laughs> the one song to lead on musical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's uh, really um it was viewed as Martin Scorsese's first real screw up. Oh shit. I didn't even know it was Scorsese, although I if I was forced to guess, would have guess. It's Laz Minnelli, okay, Robert De Niro. Gotcha set in New York. Everything sounded good. Something went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I tried to watch a bit of Guys and Dolls. The old movie, Guys and Dolls? Yeah, like the Sinatra Brando musical. And I don't even think I made it to Brando. I was not feeling that movie, although I want to go back in because I got to know what Brando is like in a musical. What was the problem in... Uh... I don't know. Something just felt off. It just kind of turned my stomach from the get-go and I, I, I had to kind of recoil. From Guys... That. I had some guys. And then dolls. There were dolls. Yeah. I don't know what. The promise of the premise was right there. promise of the premise. I never heard that before. Oh, that, my friend, is from Save the Cat screenwriting book in which he describes the importance of, A, having your otherwise evil character save a cat, Cervico, and B, anytime they enter a room, describe that hair and describe the volume of that step, which you know. The volume of wait. Is it a loud entrance into a room? Is it a soft and quiet? Entrance? Oh, I see. So this is like what I was talking about earlier. I'm tying it in. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> My god, hiller word. <laughs> 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 oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Search for the next thing. Uh but but um what was I what were we talking about? Serpico? Well. New York, New York. Oh yeah, have you seen? Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm done with New York, New York. Okay. Moving to Guys and Dolls, yeah. and now I'm gonna say, have you seen On the Town? No, never even heard of the damn thing. Well, it's a movie from
0: the 1950s, starring uh, um, Frank Sinatra. Okay, and you know what? I feel like I'll screw it up if I keep naming people. I think Gene Kelly would have even been a little old at that time.
1: Uh-huh but it's basically three sailors on shore leave on the town. That's classic. Sure. And uh, it's a musical, of course. And it's, I, it's, I remember that, that one being quite good. I I think guys and dolls might be just uh, not as good. And I think that, but, but I think on the town and uh, meet me in St. Louis and Mm -hmm. and this type of thing were, uh, but I mean, maybe you don't like the sort of technicolor, Oh, I musical, I do love these. I like anything in Technicolor, but I do wonder if the music. Like I went through a period where I thought that maybe I do, maybe I do love musicals, and then I think maybe I was just seeing all the very, very, very irrefutably great musicals. And then when I started dipping into, and again, people do include Guys and Dolls in that, but for me, that was just enough of something's amiss. King and I. Oh, I never seen King and I. So you know what. My knowledge is lacking. I, I, I don't king, I don't
0: even deserve it. King and I might be problematic
1: because it's like Siam or something. And it's like Yule Brenner playing the king of Siam, is that accurate? Something like that, yeah. But Yule Brenner is one of those strange kind of get-a-pass guys because he was so bald that he was almost <laughs> raceless. His post-racial baldness. I gotcha. <laughs> um so we met in Halifax. I That's remember right. doing that show. It was in a very strange venue. It was yeah, in a conference a room conference hotel. Room. Yeah, port, like a, lit exactly as you would expect it to be lit for being a conference room. Yeah, They did not have the option of turning down some lights and then turning up the lights on the performers. So it felt like we were giving toasts. And give toasts we did. Toasts <laughs> to comedy. <laughs> we toasted comedy that <laughs> night. Uh and yes, it was pretty, but that's sort of par for the course for like almost any mu- uh, comedy option at a music festival. And yeah, it's always shoved in some weird, a weird corner. thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any weird. And may I say we deserve no better. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of true. I say this having been a part of and seen some of these shows. That's what we deserve. So when you're at a show and it's, you know, in a storage closet and it's part of the Oscars, <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite music festival. We're doing an Oscars after party for, yeah. Co- for comedians, yeah, in storage. Closet. And this is not the official Jimmy Kimmel off- Oscars no. comedy after party. Well, this is, I guess, okay. Let's go to a music festival. Actually, let's say Pitchfork Fest comedy. Oh, you stage. know what? Let's say, let's say, uh, 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 let's do what's that? What's one of those massive ones that happens in like Alabama? Bonnaro. Let's say Bonnaroo.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, I gotta go. You've got a tart in your mouth. Uh okay, yeah. Well, I don't know how to take this because you were about to ask a question. (laughs) But thank you for giving me, I guess, the opportunity to create my own question. You have the floor. Um, what would you know what this I'm trying to think of an example that doesn't have an existing comedy component. Oh, okay. Let's say um They all remember in the last 15 years, they've all had a comedy component because they've known that if they blow their guarantee, yeah, they can get a handful of comedians for nothing. Yeah, close to nothing. And if they're low, it's a local one, yeah, for nothing. Like FBFS would get a lot of comedians who they were probably not paying because in LA, you can get like pretty good comedians for no money. Right. Um, maybe a couple who you're giving a few hundred bucks to. I would say that we all know, we both know that the comedy bubble's about to burst. Thank God. Yes. On your podcast that I did yesterday called my gorgeous son, lovely podcast with Eduardo Ramirez and Andrew Bush, your co-conspirator in the picnic based sketch group and the television show Cavendish. True. There's was so many details <laughs> so close together that it, the sum total of that was zero details, so, which yeah, I really like. Yeah. It's better this way. And, uh, you you mentioned in your character Raleigh yes that the comedy bubble was about to burst Yes, and I did want to talk to you about uh, I actually was gonna was thinking on the way here I was like I've got to ask mark that, about how yesterday you were using this character to vent very real feelings that you had about comedy specifically oh it's much easier to do it that because then I can always just point to that character as being the asshole and not me but in this case uh yeah I mean I feel like we feel this I think actually the first like, and I hate to characterize this as a rat leaving a sinking ship, but um, when I saw what I believe to be a real tweet from Johnny Pemberton about leaving comedy and going to law school, which may have just been a gag, he was probably joking, but there was a like, you know, like comedians have been it's become increasingly a genre or a subgenre of like uh, I don't want to call it alt comedy, but you know, whatever you would as- the comedians you would associate with that word, uh, to joke about how fucking devastatingly shitty uh <laughs> comedy is and like hustling for these like nothing Netflix specials that are so ubiquitous now they almost don't matter, although they I wonder matter if they so pay okay And I doubt they do. Of course they don't. I think that probably let's say twenty to thirty percent of them pay. And I'm gonna make that five to seven percent. Like I think like you and I getting a Netflix special, we're not walking home with a lot well, of can't friends. you use your just for laughs hottest art hot artists? You are one of the hot artists. <laughs> just, just for laughs. And can I say the way you said that makes me know that you feel it. <laughs> I do feel it. You're hysterical. Um, but the I guess regardless of whether we could do it, it's now the issue of whether anyone would want to. But then the bigger issue of my God, like how much longer before everyone who is currently consuming comedy is so worn out by it. Well, it's got to be soon. It's got to be so soon. And festivals so people have not if you've been worn out by it ever. You know? well, what about at the end of the eighties though, where it just like, it was so massive and then it burst. That's well, what I'm talking um, about. Like getting back to that. I mean, the difference there was people were actually making money doing it. So can mm-hmm. something where you're, still like you know comedians were actually making money going from show to show right and doing shows true here it's like maybe in new york or something like that happening it doesn't seem like it but uh, here it's like you do some comedy people like you then suddenly you're uh, doing these festivals i mean i guess i want to talk about canada i don't even need to say people like you (laughs) you know i don't need to say doing comedy (laughs) you <laughs> like, uh, imagining doing comedy quitting comedy doing something else being at a comedy show on stage yeah you know. uh
0: and then you know you you do it and then someone says hey do you want to uh we got a development deal it'll pay uh, two thousand mm-hmm. dollars and uh it'll tie
1: you up for the next couple of years and what do you say and then you do it and maybe you get some writing jobs you know and that's i feel like in canada the idea of supplementing your income as a stand-up is uh, inherent. Yes. You know? Yeah. And in the U.S., I think for the 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 bulk of visible-to-us comedians, they, too, are supplement, you know, come stand-up is like a supplemental income. Right. Almost all the comedians who have visibility in, you know, the alt world or in the L.A. scene, Johnny Pemberton acts a ton, Emily Heller is, you know, writes a ton. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just it just keeps going on, you it's know? True. Yeah. So the people who are like quote unquote pure stand-ups, what they do is what you see to Sam Tripoli doing right now, mm-hmm. which is Loudly saying that people are terrible or something, you know, and then like doing podcasts where they're That's like, genre. you know, Judd Apatow, he said, is a, a Judas and a Juden. My God! <laughs> uh, hey, I, you can say it. That's uh, on that's, behalf of someone that's, else. That's the thing about my podcast. it's you know, uh, a Jewish it's person, not on you. I will say this: a Jewish person can always slander someone else with anti-Semitic comments. <laughs> um, you're right. So people, there's less money to be made. So maybe the way that the bubble bursts will be different. But I will say this. Uh I cannot imagine that Netflix will continue to have so many comedy specials going forward. Like I just feel like no, I think people probably probably stacking the content if anything. Yeah. It just feels like if there's an ebb and flow in public interest in stand-up comedy, which as people who were like it's not like I was consuming comedy in the 80s, but you know, I was alive and I definitely lived through stand-up comedy what it be like being alive. My god, nothing better. But <laughs> that's a nice attitude. If uh like I I definitely remember thinking that stand-up comedy was like beneath contempt for a chart for a chunk of my life, just because the people who were actively doing it when I was like a teenager or whatever, um, the people you had access to mm-hmm. were not necessarily the you right. You grew up in There's uh, a lot of shit. British Columbia. That's right. Okay. But it's not like it was going to shows. It was like I was watching, you know, evening at the improv or whatever those old compiled, like, old Just for Laughs galas. Yeah, I watched
0: all that stuff yeah. when I was growing up. I was watched. like, sure. Uh, there was a channel called A&E, mm-hmm. Arts and Entertainment. I'm aware. Uh, and a and E, I I guess
1: everybody had this. They had Evening at the Improv. Right. They had Caroline's Comedy Hour. That's right. Yeah, that was well. the other one. And I think there might have even been a third one mm-hmm. that they showed that was, like, similar... And of course, I don't know if you got it here, there was comedy at Club 54. Oh, I got that here, yeah. Which was this Canadian club that I think still exists called called Club 54. Honestly, that's probably the one that's biggest in my mind when I think about all the Well, because I it. I liked a lot of the comedians that I saw on mm-hmm. improv and, and the Caroline show when I was growing up, because I listened to something called The Sunday Funnies on um, a radio station in Toronto. Uh, it was right before I would go to bed, and they would play you know, essentially really good stand-up, like, not stuff that I would listen to ever now. Well, mostly, I mean, Robert Klein. I liked Robert Klein when they play Robert Klein on this thing, but now I, I don't even listen, you know, but but mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was a conversational intelligent guy, and then they'd play like Emo Phillips and that kind of thing, probably George Carlin, like, you know, and you, when you hear George Carlin as a kid, you, you know, you like it. Love it. It's like, it's only as you grow older that you start to detest uh things that you used to like and there's i think a lot of psychology behind that that goes a little deeper than just like oh it turns out they suck are you really saying oh it turns out i was a fool (laughs) (laughs) but i guess my point is even as a kid liking george carlin it was like oh this is one of a handful of things from the past Mm -hmm. and then stand-up comedy kind of represented the past and it was like living through the 90s version of stand-up comedy in like the early 2000s uh And, you know, living in Canada, like before the internet, not having a ton of access to interesting stuff. I'm sure it was out there, but again, there wasn't a lot of money in it. There was less of it. It was harder to find access to it. And I guess all I'm trying to say is, I wonder if we're heading it, it feels to me like we're heading in that direction again, where a lot of people who are getting into comedy recently through this like new engagement thanks to the internet podcast, oh, yes. et cetera, I see. I see are going to be like, actually, I'm not making enough money in this to justify this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be less of a popular pursuit. People are going to stop being so into watching it because like, there's only so many different ways you can do it. So people are going to start getting bored. I just feel like the genre is going to become less big than it is now. And then we'll get back to that space where it's like, yeah, people are still doing it here and there, but you know, no one's talking about it anymore. And I mean, does I I'm like I've been doing it for so long,
0: and and so I I can't really picture myself stopping, and that's I don't it. really know why. But I'd like to change. I feel like I want to change it entirely, and by doing that, it may wind up not being like any. It might, you know, stand up comedy. Yeah, it might just be some like suddenly I'm
1: like, oh, I'm not on stage anymore. Plus, I'm not doing as many shows these days, and it's. Uh, nice it's very nice and a lot of people are reaching that <laughs> place too i mean don't get me wrong i uh embrace this sort of stand-up <laughs> post-apocalyptic scenario that i'm imagining where it's just less of a thing and then there's we just kind of go back to it being a weird offshoot that nobody really respects well it's still but is there's that, like I a think. stupid purity to that where you get to see some weird fun stuff again yeah you stop hustling for these like Netflix. Special. Do you think comedians, like a huge amount of comedians are going to start getting into porn? <laughs> uh, why do you ask that question? Well, I got a lot of my theories for that. I think there's an exhibitionism inherent to comedy. I think that also, uh, burgeoning sex positivity online, sex positivity. Also, I think that most male comics will famously, uh, be naked at the drop of a hat. And then, uh, but less and less so because they're not allowed. They're not allowed, but they will, (laughs) they will find a way. (laughs) You will sign a contract before you go into their show. They will find (laughs) a way. Um, I mean, I just think it's odd hearing this from you because you, Mm -hmm. Mark Little, first time I've said your name today in the podcast. And let it be the last. I might say it repeatedly. Oh, you, Mark Little. (sighs) Uh, the Marxist of Marks. The Markiest of Marks. Yes. Uh, have following. You have people who are constantly buffing up your, your uh Finish this? Your confidence, okay. You know, <laughs> saying, hey, man, that was great. Uh-huh. Lots of faves, retweets. What do yeah, now? 15,000 followers. Everybody feels like this is what you say to me before you shoot me in the bag of the head. No, I got nothing bad to say. I, I mean, and I also am not trying to... Um, like, I understand that that's not the be-all and end-all whatsoever. But you're just and wondering, fact, how could someone... I understand. Right? It, it. So I'm just saying, you, you know, you have encouragement doing what you do. Right. And, you know, just using yourself as an example, are you using... Are you saying, I have all this, and I'm still kind of like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm talking specifically about stand-up comedy, which is such a narrow thing, you know? So I'm not necessarily lumping, like... I don't know. But you I, like I, guess I am talking more about don't me. you? I do and I don't. You I feel the same do way a like, lot of things. I, feel I like you do every s- sketch, improv, yeah. You do writing, you do voice acting, yeah, and you do stand up. And I love them all to greater like here I love them all and then there's problems with all of them, of course. Um but stand up is, you know, I don't know a single person uh I don't think I know a single stand up who does the kind of stand up that I like and who i kind of re- relate no that's not what i mean i mean i don't of the stand-ups that do stand-up that i like i don't know a single one of them that doesn't frequently talk about how terrible the world of stand-up comedy is and how terrible it is to be a part of it and at the same time derives great pleasure from it here and there and wants yeah. to like push their artistic uh, selves to do comedy at a lot of music shows like 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 not even different music shows but like this once a month residency with some musicians Mm -hmm. in the day and then I'm doing a music show tonight and uh, you know, I'm starting to have my haunts and I don't want to only do them but on the other hand, doing it at these music shows has been feeling so free sure, and it's been just you and know, may I say that when I think about what comedy was before the current boom, mm-hmm. there was a lot of that because it was a lot of like scrabbling for stage time in venues that, uh, you know, making it work. Well, was that your experience starting up? Were you just kind of like, well, I'm in this sketch group and it turns out everyone in the sketch group wants to do solo performance or stand up so we can do a show that's uh, basically all of us doing stand up he sort of i was doing improv and then uh it was in halifax so it was like me and my friend were the only improvisers and then we met a handful of stand-up comedians and there was so few people doing stand-up that it just and like we went to a couple of the shows and the like the quality it was like there's one weekly open mic in right. halifax at that time this is before yuck yucks even showed up so what were you doing in halifax i was doing school Okay. Uh, but doing improv on the side, but then, so I, all I'm trying to say is like getting into stand up, it couldn't have been less intimidating. Like it was such an, like it, I met some people, it felt like a different way to do comedy. And if I was ever going to try stand up, free of judgment and free of charge and free of charge. They would not charge me <laughs> to perform. Uh, that was the place to do it. So I got into stand up and sketch both through just feeling like I was in a scene where that there was so little of that, that there was no pressure. So that's cool. Why not do it? I think that was a way I got into. And I, unfortunately I do believe there is this sort of interesting personality type. I know with ADHD, that's something <laughs> that uh, they say, what's happening here. Oh, we paused. Well, it's okay. Just, I know you're worrying looking at the, uh, what do they call that? The swirling dervish of death? Yeah, the swirling dervish of death. It actually looks kind of like Opa Opa. Okay, that's fine. It actually looks like Opa Opa, the uh, hero of the video game fantasy zone. And we'll get into fantasy zone later. (laughs) All right. But um, I was going to say, Uh, a lot of the time people with ADHD are, uh, one of the attributes is that you kind of try to find ways around the traditional ways of getting into something, you know, and I've always been trying to do that. So, and because I came from music, I was like, well, I can get into comedy in a whole different way. I don't have to do it the same as everyone else, because I already have friends who are, have access to stages. I already have friends Who would care about coming out to see me? So, you know, I kind of dove in deep and was kind of like, how can I not be good already? You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it was a very strange and confusing thing for like all the comedians in Toronto to sort of deal with. But I liked doing that a lot. And I really liked throwing off that whole thing you know at the time and uh it sounds like you sort of did that as well we were like i can just do stuff there's nobody else doing this right now oh yeah and it was yeah. like doing stuff for 12 people a week who you're like a I, jury a jury <laughs> uh you know you made it work in music shows <laughs> trials you commit a crime just so you can have a little stage time <laughs> i uh i wanted to uh i, I actually feel like I know, I'm, I was like running at the mouth about the end of this stand-up uh, bubble, this stand-up almost gleefully. Well, but we should mention that you have a broken foot. There's no light on in here, right? Now. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm extremely stir-crazy. This is my rear window. Yeah, like, uh, I, I think that, that a lot, maybe you also have something where, if you, do you have that thing where if you're happy, you don't remember ever being sad, and if you're sad, you never remember a different way yeah it's kind of like a numb memory that i assume is real but it's mm-hmm. not like i can't feel it so i don't fully believe it yeah no I, I that's a that's a very hard is everybody like that i don't know yeah but uh, it's, uh so i'm not saying you're sad right now here we are two friends. hold my hand but i feel holding like hands right now My, you do you not feel like because i want i love this but, i've been frustrated for years i love what's going on like with I do love that people are getting opportunities on Netflix and like that the show's cropping up and clubs cropping up. diversity, obviously, but there is like a bubbling, like, like every time another crop of like a million Netflix specials come out. And my parents ask me if I've heard of this comedian that I, they've heard of now. And I haven't heard of, so uh-huh. they know more about comedy now than I do. I'm like, I don't know. There's just like a, a dull sensation that I have not fully interrogated. That's like, I wouldn't call it bitterness or resentment. I would just call it like exhaustion and confusion. That and confusion that manifests as like a desire to walk away from it all. I'm I'm confused because when I got into stand up, I uh, knew what I liked. I knew what I didn't like, and it uh, it it got all thrown off at some point. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, I agree. It, it, because everybody was a lot of people were nice a lot of people were welcoming, and I'm talking about around, you know, internationally, you know, and and also in in the local scene, and, and I wound up understanding where they were coming from as human beings, and that happened on such a grand scale that I almost forgot what kind of stand-up I look, you know what I mean? And I hate to say it, I've always loved train wrecks. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think anyone who's seen me do stand-up, Will be surprised (laughs) by that, but uh, or listen to this podcast or see me walk down the street eating a um, ham and cheese bun like I'm an invisible person and can just eat any way I want. (laughs) But I know where this is going, but I buy into all of these examples. I'm just trying to say that right now I'm obsessing slightly with like this very bad, very hurt, very toxic person. Oh, and Benjamin. Oh, right. Yeah, you are obsessed with him right now. Yeah,
0: and and like, it's just maybe that's, now that
1: I'm in it, can I even like something like that? You know, but if I weren't in it, I like wouldn't care. I'd be like, this is trash. Yeah. I hate this guy, but I can't stop watching. Yes. Now I'm kind of like, this is trash. I mean, I feel for this guy. I don't know if I hate anybody. Yeah. You know, but but I I definitely don't think he should be making one hundred thousand dollars a month on Patreon or whatever. Whoa, is he? Um, he's making a like hundred thousand dollars a year or something. <laughs> Holy like. shit! Yeah, because Patreon is is the uh, financial provider, or it was until recently for all of those types of people, like, they'll, like the like muzzle. Jordan Peterson and yeah, Owen yeah, yeah, Benjamin, yeah, yeah. even Dave Rubin. And then there was something where they got mad at Patreon, so they moved to. Maybe Hatreon, which really is an actual thing. Is that real? Yeah. But, but, uh, can, can you handle it? So, can so, you even stomach giving my <laughs> ass, guy? And I think that what's funny is, you know, essentially like the classic tropes of stand up comedy haven't really changed. No. Now it's just hearing those from different voices, you know, which is the, one of the main changes in stand-up these days. That's a big one. Yeah, and that's obviously not a bad thing at all. No. Um, However, it's like, even in that context, personally, my tastes would lean towards people who are, like, highly self-deprecating, very clever. You know what I mean? Like, just because, you know, you you represent a marginalized voice, I I support you, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I still want it to be to work for me. I don't know, I can't explain it. A white guy. This is getting deleted. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean I don't mean taking off the podcast. I mean like once this airs, this is getting deleted. <laughs> yes. like me. Oh, you canceled. Okay. Deleted for sure. Um, Balky's deleted. <laughs> Balky's deleted. <laughs> so let's Let's unpack something here. Let's do it. We got this tea's uh, boiling. The tea's boiling, so that's there's going to be a light rattle to a very cheap, from a very cheap kettle. May I say, you're thrifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Why are you so thrifty, Mark? Well, I think it's just that uh, I have some stuff that I've just had forever, and it's never occurred to me to upgrade it. Would you say thrifty is nifty? Twice That's, thrifty, that's, times that's the answer I was dancing around. Yes, twice thrifty, three times nifty. Four times? Ooh, starting to get shifty. <laughs> and then. Um, Five times? I'm 50. <laughs> You're See, 50. That's a good line. That's a good run. I'm 50. Was that an SNL character? Yeah, you don't remember. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, I think it was Molly Shannon. No, I don't remember that. I remember the couple that uh, with Will Ferrell and uh, was it Anna Gostire? The 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 L A yeah, the piano couple yeah was it Sherry O'Terry no Sherry O'Terry was the cheerleader with so them. it was Anna style the the couple what are they called what are their real names from uh, from L A right oh that's uh, Marty and Elaine was it, yeah. wasn't it sort of that the Dresden no that's I never thought of it but yeah it must have been have you ever seen Marty and Elaine once yes I saw them once as well Which I nice. think many people listening. Who have seen them the equivalent amount of times. One One. Yeah. It's a nice thing. Like my friends from there, I was Um, a guy from out of town. They thought it would be a thing I would enjoy. They were right. I feel like that's the experience for a lot. Yeah. That's uh, a funny thing about Los Angeles. Uh, You know, uh, if you go to a bunch of things you want to see one time, you can really enjoy the city (laughs) the rest of your life because there's a lot of those. But one time each. If you go twice, it's not as nice. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, I've ne- I never once enjoyed Los Angeles. <laughs> you go twice, blood like ice. Yes, <laughs> three times covered them ice. No, you don't need to rhyme. You can't rhyme. Two times what? Five. three times a lady baby, a lady baby, <laughs> a lady baby. <laughs> that's a lady baby. <gasps> oh, that lady, that baby's a lady baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> do you enjoy my sense of humor or do you just like me as a person (laughs) i really enjoy this thank you i like any bit that uh (laughs) runs into a wall almost immediately and then gets saved by an austin powers impression (laughs) that's all i ask for do you know what i have to say about what you just said yeah baby yeah baby forcing you to naming it Austin Powers made you worse at it it became John Leguizamo I'd like you to meet my daughter Austin Powers Austin Powers Flanagan (laughs) Austin Powers loved Gord Flanagan (laughs) too um kettle's on kettle's on we're watching ourselves now and I hate it why do you hate it? I don't know you look great I feel bad do you feel heavy? Yes. You don't look heavy. You look skinnier than a skeleton's uh, aspiration. (laughs) Okay. You look skinnier than a skeleton's dream body. Honey, that's it. (laughs) Yes, please. Are you offering me, honey? Uh, No, but I I, I don't have a top. What's in your fridge? What's in your fridge? Yeah. I've got some eggs in there. Uh-huh. I've got uh there's some bread that I don't want to go bad. Uh-huh. You know, we got some sauces. We got some spreads. Ooh, tapas. We got some veggies. We got some fruits. Pickled Those things? Uh we have no pickled things in there. We're I'm I'm dog sitting pickles. I'm dog sitting, I need a lot of pickled things. The person I'm dog sitting for has some pickled turnips. As one would have in uh, like, a you know, Middle Eastern restaurant. Thank you. Oh, I love those pickled turnips. Yeah. They're my favorite. I don't yeah. understand Revene's why they're breakfast. not beets. But, you know, they should be beets. Should they're be. very purple. Oh, I see what you mean. But they're not beets. They're turnips. They confuse. What makes a mark a little laugh? Um, Austin Powers, baby. Bring it back to me. You ate a baby. Mike Myers, yesterday you were a uh, collaborator andrew bush um said he liked mike myers he's a fan who among us whom among us canadian comedians does not revere the work of mr mike Myers? yes and i'm talking about the gong show i'm talking about his performance in inglorious bastards and then i I can't remember 54 and then 54 and also so i married an axe murderer yes The, the origin of the scottish character I believe that was the first time, but don't forget if it's nay Scottish, it's crap. which was, uh, is that an SNL? Yes. I see. Yeah. And, uh, that was when SNL was at peak. Like, this is the character's thing that they say. Yeah. Every group had the, you know, mm-hmm. welcome to the cat. Bye. Yeah. Well, bye-bye. Well was that from Gap or was that different? That, that was, was just Jake what he Spain's said all flight the time. Attendant character. Right. And then welcome to the gap. Can I sell you some crap? Oof. Uh, is you, that real? Yeah, that was the gap rolls. I like that. The, uh the uh um what's it called? The the uh you can put your weed in it. Do you remember that you can put your weed in it? I don't remember that. That was a character that Rob Schneider played who worked at a store. Okay. And everybody would ask about different items and say, yeah, man. And now let me ask you, based on my knowledge of Rob Schneider. Yeah. Was the accent 2,000% more Asian than your... (laughs) No, it was more chill guy. Chill guy. Yeah, he did chill guy there. I don't know if he did an Asian accent on Saturday. There is a very embarrassing Dana Carvey Asian guy sketch mm. that you did but it was a different time It was a <laughs> different was the time. times of the railroads being constructed in season 25 of that's right saturday night live and if saturday night live couldn't make jokes about that who could yeah so i was like you know we don't have an asian person on cast so really just technically we we just have to put megan be dana cart that's right and if I can speak on behalf of Asian communities from that time. Every single one. Thank Filipino, you. Filipino, Indian. Thank you.
0: Yes. Uh, thank you. Yes. I,
1: say I thank thought you. you were thanking me. For I say thank you them. to Saturday Night Live, but I thank you for naming all of the communities. <laughs> Indian and Filipino. That's right. From I to P. From I to P, across the sea, that's Asia to me. What are your favorite uh, things that people talk about at meetings? Like IP. Do you like the expression IP? I love it intellectual property. I love that. I love talking about trademark law. <laughs> I love parody law. Tell, tell me about Canadian parody law, because I've never run into this as a... Uh, mm, you're right up my alley. As a situation. It's it, It'll come up. Yeah. And it's a bit dicey because we have a new one uh-huh. that is closer to the American law. Might, maybe technically, according to the language, the same as the American one, but because... No one has ever been taken to court in Canada. There's no, and and they would need to be taken to court and win the court case. There's no legal precedent, so effectively Canada may or may as well not have fair law, well because everyone is terrified of being the first court case. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, Hitler was good. I will correct you. Okay, thank you. Uh, correct. So, so the. Parody law in Canada, as far as I knew, was incredibly restrictive. This is what I heard, and it was the reason why you'd be watching a television show, especially a political television show in Canada, and say, "Why is this made for a six-year-old?" <laughs> yes. Why? And why now is... it's. And now that we have a better parody law, the answer is simply, "Well, oh, that's the best they could do." Yeah. The answer is, if something ain't broke, don't fix it. People were watching it then. That's when right. It was for six-year-old. Why not watch it now? Um, as far as I know, Canadian parody law was incredibly restrictive and then it got better of late, like in the last 10 years. I'm not sure exactly when, but again, because there's no legal precedent yet, it may as well not have changed. Okay. But eventually, and I got a lot of this from talking to the guys from Nirvana, the band the show. Yes. Because I I haven't watched and I've heard it is great. Everyone says it's it's great, great. Wonderful. But they did they parodied things to the extent that you would not believe like they used Uh an entire john williams indiana jones score Uh to score an episode and they were able to make an argument for why that was parody and then their lawyers advice just accepted it enough like i know they got so much pushback on every single issue and they really had to do a lot of research um but they are kind of the one Happy story. And yet I don't think there's a statute of limitations. So they could get sued at any time. I feel like in the middle of telling that story, you realized you were having an extended conversation about parody. Law. You asked me what I like. <laughs> I and guess. I mean, this is, no, you are interested in this. this I'm interested. Yeah. in it. I just want to talk about your passions, you know. I, and I will never get more fired up than about Canadian parody law. But did it exist when SCTV and kids in the hall were doing stuff? Because it seemed like they had a bit more. Leeway, as the uh, lawyers I don't know. Um, you know, because SETV was doing a lot of parody. Yeah. So, know? so maybe there was a more restrictive thing that came in after that, and then Super it's Dave. since been dialed back. Super Dave, anyone? That's american But that's American film in Canada, isn't it? Yeah, it was a Canadian production. But if filmed it's filmed it here try if it's broadcast in America, I believe it's subject to American parody. Fuji was a good impression. Thank you. Sometimes I get there. Uh did you feel sad when he died, or were you like, oh, he was 76? I did feel sad, but uh, you know what? I, and I and mean, yeah, I was sad too. I don't I'm not trying to say a 76-year-old <laughs> man is supposed to die, but in a selfish like they talk about like people, oh, oh. people dying. I it was great. <laughs> and uh and I had to um, uh, bite my tongue not to respond to you in my pitch-perfect Fuji <laughs> accent. Don't do it. Um, Leave it to Carvey. Leave it to Carvey. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wally would be prudent. I felt like his work was getting better, may I say. In, it, it, rare for a comedian. Yeah, no. He his was, work was truly getting better all becoming, the time. becoming a more lovable comedic presence with every passing year. He's amazing. There's no getting past it. And he had that. He had that whole niche carved out for himself, where he was just the comedian who got away with telling street jokes. Yes. And he told them so well that you wanted him to tell them forever. And he also was really good at um, dressing people down. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Yeah. He had this whole thing. And probably, as he got older, it would have been harder and harder to take because it doesn't quite feel like there was an off switch. I might be wrong. Who knows? But he was very good at just biding his time and then only going nuts when it felt like the situation (laughs) when he was bored on behalf of the audience. He was great. We're losing a lot of legends. (laughs) We are losing a lot of legends. (laughs) Why not John? (laughs) Who's John? Uh, Legend. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) You're breaking down in my kitchen. I gotta tell you, I've muted Christine (laughs) Tygen on Twitter. You're not a fan. I don't know. Just, I don't I don't like having these people just poured into my ear, you know? Like, and that is how you consume Twitter. Yeah, via your, your <laughs> liquid liquid find I've signature. seen you do it. You say, Siri, read me my new Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> then she does. I say, Siri, newspaper. And, <laughs> yeah. they, and then Siri becomes water, goes through my ear, comes out the other, and back yeah. in phone form. And then you go, hmm, hmm. How can I tell? Yeah, but I also say, you know what? Next time, can you mute Kristen Tigan, Merrill Wilson, the Kraftenstein brothers? Um, uh, may I say that you are uh, having some issues with rich liberals? Yeah. Jamila, Jamil, rich, now, no longer American solely, <laughs> liberals. Just, I feel like the publicist has taken over the minds of everyone I- using social media, uh, especially Twitter specifically. It is harder to read Twitter ever since brands started getting vo- outwardly depressed. <laughs> it's hard to differentiate between people and brands. Yeah, when they're like when they're like, "Oh, whoever's running the Frito's account sounds like they're going to kill themselves. (laughs) Shoot me in the fucking (laughs) head. I'm old Navy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh God. Old Navy for real is doing (laughs) that. This is not a ploy. That diminishes um, responsibility around mental (laughs) health issues. When Arby's tweeted is waking up with suicidal ideation normal. I said, okay, yeah, this is, I want Arby's. Why do I want Arby's? <laughs> I need Arby's? I relate to Arby's. I feel like Arby's is young and just figuring things out. How does that make you feel that brands are basically, you know, hiring advertising agencies that are clearly speaking in the parlance of our times? These are people who've been on in all the dank meme Facebook groups that
0: they- have mm. They're 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 speaking it, they're walking the walk, they're, yeah. You know, how, how do you do you like it? <laughs> yes, I love
1: it. <laughs> it's the only thing I like anymore. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it when restaurants like Red Robin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh post the meme of the guy getting shot in the head in the Vietnam War. <laughs> that, <laughs> then the only text is me on a Monday. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like uh <laughs> that they're like uh, what about <laughs> watch Sheridan Hotel Twitter account's epic takedown <laughs> of Mitch McConnell on Twitter? <laughs> it's like watch Tommy Lauren get pwned by uh um stamps.com <laughs> <laughs> John Deere tractor has some rude things to say about the latest Ariana Grande scandal yeah what about what, how do you feel when comedians publicly call
0: out airlines
1: <laughs> you're really tapped into a pet peeve I, it's hard it's I've seldom seen an example of that where i've sympathized with the complaint i mean celebrities really i don't just mean comedians because every 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 famous person always does that and it's always like i always happen to read them it's like it feels like it's either the same day as or a day after like Like tragedy tragedy. (laughs) it's like oh my god (laughs) i'm sorry you had to wait and customer service didn't respond to you immediately you entitled weirdo uh why did you leave Halifax uh, for the bright lights, big city to live in the same uh, town as the CN Tower? <laughs> like anyone who migrates to Toronto. Had you ever lived in Toronto before? No, I'd only dreamt. Had you ever been here before? I had. I know you have. Yeah, because I was at a picnic face show as a reviewer in the mid two thousands. I have also had. maybe I told you you don't have to remember. Uh, you've never told me that. And was that during the Fringe Festival? Yes. The Toronto Fringe, one of the most vibrant times to visit the city. Uh, it's our Mardi Gras. If you if you can get here during a Fringe <laughs> Festival, you must. You're going to, you here know, you if you like the genre of hip-hop applied <laughs> to moving personal <laughs> stories or adaptations of old plays, right. you'll love it. Yeah. Did you ever want to see Billy Elliot? Of, um, the, of the the rapsicle, yeah. <laughs> uh, did you ever want to see stuffed in a locker the wrapping white version, <laughs> the human wrapping piece? I was in AA, <laughs> a a Canadian rap <laughs> version of that. A a. <laughs> The Satanic Mirthes. Yeah, the Satanic <laughs> Which is The amazing. Satanic Bars. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, uh, or if you ever wanted to see a comedian do a comedy show that they're loosely wrapped, loosely wrapped around one. One minute of drama at the beginning, one minute of drama at the end, call yeah. it a one-man show, yeah. hit the bricks. Yeah, that's uh, with the Toronto fringe. If, if you ever wanted to see a uh, vanity... Uh, you know, just <laughs> someone who's like... If you ever wanted to see vanity. to <laughs> see the late, great vanity, this is the town that she lived in. That's right. She's trying her... Uh, she's still plying her wares. Peter. You know, Toronto. it's weird. It's like Prince died and uh, like a pharaoh, all of his <laughs> concubines buried with him. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, what a horrid image. Based in nothing except your own vicious creative mind. I recently watched a movie with Vanity in it, which was. What the hell was that movie? one with it was also with Carl Weathers, Action Jackson. Oh yeah, you Action Jackson. Line? Yeah, fun one. It does that's, have a, it does have a famous line I where he blasts a guy with a flamethrower and then tells him to chill out. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it's not a lot. Yeah, it's, that's the best part. Action Jackson has a like a car through a window kind of scene, doesn't it? There's a couple, or yeah. at least yes, there's one that I'm remembering where he get and then he goes to retrieve the guy from the car and he's. Go. And Carl Weathers plays Action Jackson. Yeah, and he's pretty fun. I've seen this movie. I, I have I, I i think you're going through a period that i i definitely went through which is just cycling through eighties and nineties movies you you always heard about or like the crazy action ones Cobra with Stallone being a major one for me <laughs> yeah that's it that's that's mm-hmm. one uh, tango and cash i come in peace i never seen that red heat yes um goes on and on it is yeah it does the uh tequila sunrise the high-end version of that that's a pretty good movie yeah. i've never seen that one who's that one kurt russell that's and kurt unfortunately russell. mel gibson and uh Michelle you say I, unfortunately because he does a bad job or because you don't like him he never does a good or a bad job he just does a mel gibson job i like mel gibson i like the i, <laughs> I, I could take or leave this performance as a person oh yeah as a um, person. no i like his performance he's he's a charming he's an onset set prankster famous as a as an actor
0: I've
1: he always heard it did charming. It. And didn't do it? Never he really. Didn't no. convince you that he knew what women wanted? Yeah. I, I always said, I said, you know what? I remember writing the idea for the beaver. The <laughs> 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 napkin. Yeah. he took it. He took it.
0: He took it.
1: You've held a grudge ever since he made his mint off of the beaver. Which <laughs> should have been yours. <laughs> it's uh it's too bad about what happened. It's too bad about what happened. Wait, what do you, yeah. That's the logical conclusion of this. <laughs> it's nice. oh, I hate it. Why? We both look like we should be playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, in case you're listening, Mark and I, I have a webcam on, and occasionally we need to look at our moist, moist, uncleaned uh, cleaned faces. Yeah. And our glasses, which are also moist. Vintage. Mine minor vintage at this point. Nice. No, but I haven't been able to get new ones. Ah, eight years. Well, there you have it. I'm not letting you leave. Uh, and please don't. And it's if you are eyes. wondering about why we're sitting side by mm-hmm. side, it's only for the webcam. <laughs> we're trying to have a human conversation while seated uh, like friends on a bus. Did you see um, the trailer for the new Joaquin Phoenix Joker film? I saw it this morning. Yes. I watched it this morning as I. Could, well. Uh, what a ride. I I don't know how it's going to be. I have a feeling it might be poor. Unless that was simply the first 15 minutes of the movie, That then, yeah. then it's going to be a very long, slow ride. It, yeah, I was thinking about that when I was watching it. I was like, don't make a Joker movie that is like Logan, even. <laughs> uh, don't even make Logan. I Go back like in Logan time very and very not make Logan. I thought it was okay, but I'll take the other X-Men movies before I'll take Logan for sure. I, Logan In was, spite of the director, who is bad as a person. Potentially. Who's that guy? Brian Singh. Oh, the previous x Men's. I'll watch those. They're fun. Yeah, I mean, I, fun's kind of the wrong word, but they do the right things with the characters. There's only a German word for fun, but also largely boring. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the word is just boring, uh, but occasionally yeah, fun.
0: Yeah, something like that. But, but I think that there's something about the Joker that just felt weird. First of all, I just was thinking,
1: well, so does this Joker
0: not have permanent makeup? Does, did even Heath Ledger not have permanent, like, was this a thing with the Joker where, I thought the key thing with
1: the Joker was that somehow a clown face had been permanently imprinted on his head. I think that's the yes, screen printed. Yeah. Um, I think that the joker there's uh, possibly and I say this without knowing en- enough to weigh in, but I'm just somehow I'm gonna I think that there are multiple origin stories. Oh yeah, no, in the killing joke, there's this whole story that's uh where it's like basically he gets dunked in toxic waste, which is like and isn't that the one similar to the one in the first one? Batman, but yeah. it's not quite the same. Gotcha. Uh, because there's no thing where, you know, uh uh, a mafia plastic surgeon is working on him. And, right. Uh, and he holds the bro- the mirror and he, the, it's like... And famously, uh, the Heath Ledger Joker never tells us how he got those scores. And you think he did, but then you're never sure if it's if it's true. Which one of these was the uh, real yeah. answer? Yeah, didn't he say my father was Me. mean? That was, one of them. that was one of them and the other one was you should have met my mom talking about him. Is that what he said? I don't know. My mother did it. My uh, father did it. Great performance. Gone too soon. Gone too soon. Is that ledger performance, do you think, can it be topped? (laughs) By, oh, by a subsequent uh, Batman performance. Yes, of the Uh, Joker. Or Joker, sorry. Um, Well, it was immediately topped by Jerry Leto, so I don't quite (laughs) understand the direction of this question. We know that Jared Leto has the canonical. I, I never cars. saw that film. I didn't either, but I can safely say that he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> I say that with confidence. Sometimes it's bad to knock something out of the park. Hang on, I have to text somebody. Yeah. let's do it. Um, we're back. We're back. Uh, but the thing about this Joker movie, yeah. So, but I don't want to see a Joker who you know, applies the makeup every day. And then there was a thing where it just felt like he was always getting, like, beat up in almost a cartoonish way. And I was trying to figure out... There was a lot I couldn't figure out in that his performance didn't seem arresting particularly. It was a subdued Joaquin, if yeah. I may say. Um, I don't... know. I mean, come on. It's... It's gonna be a great film. We're both gonna see it. I don't know. If We're both gonna it. love it. I don't know. I don't know. You know. Is there a good superhero film about joke man? <laughs> well, yeah, the the Dark Knight the Dark Knight uh, the Dark Knight. That's the right. closest one. It gets poo-pooed now, but I think people are overdoing it with the poo pooing. I think that I think it's a fine film. It's fine. Heath Ledger's really good in it. That's about the most you can say. It's too long. I was in a movie theater when he did the pencil thing, and he stabbed the guy in the forehead, and then all the monsters got up, up with their guns, and it was a shocking turn. And uh, my crowd, you know, yeah, we we reacted in a fun way. So I might be biased by what I would describe as a pretty fun, positive uh, film-going experience. And Jack Nicholson, yeah. what is that number two? Uh, number one, very, very. No, I what mean, do you mean in terms of the quality? Well, well you know, number one, two. You know, you might put him above B. He was fun as hell. Yeah, that's a different vibe, but he was really fun. Yeah, and it just comes down to what you want from your Joker. I like that vibe a lot. I like that that movie is very kind of surfacey. And yeah. kind of campy in a in a Well, and it way. fits into the movies that you're revisiting these days, too. That's right. Well, some of them, yeah. Yeah, that kind of, like, uh, shallow 80s action movie. Let me tell you about my friend, Jack. Yeah. It's it's aware of the... You want to get nuts? I can get nuts. It's aware of the tropes, and it has a lot of fun playing within them. Jack Nicholson, of course, would be aware of them as someone who probably looked down on them for so long. But do you think he was like, Tim, I'm on the phone with you. <laughs> Yeah. First of all, perfect impression so far. Go on. Too many tropes, Tim. Yeah. Too many tropes. Yeah. Can
0: you lose a trope? Yeah. Why are they attached to you like tentacles?
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Tim's like, I know that this wasn't where this conversation <laughs> was going to go, but can I offer you a role?
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> well, that's quite kind of you. <laughs> but Tim, I gotta ask you another question. Okay, yeah. If I'm going to be in the film I want to have a thing at the end. Just a full-on cowboy now, but I'm into it. But Bob the Goon goes to the hospital and I've clearly been lobotomized. And he smothers me to death. Then he throws... A water cooler through the window and escapes. Yeah, and then famously Tim Burton says no, and then he goes to Miller's form and makes <laughs> cuckoo's nest. <laughs> Batman was in the works for a long time. <laughs> a really long time. It was like, basically the order of it was supposed to be Easy Rider, Batman. Yeah in the Nicholson yeah in Nicholson's mind Batman was going to crack open the American (laughs) independent 70s and when that didn't happen everyone was upset (laughs) that should we should make a we should crowdfund a documentary called in Nicholson's mind about Jack Nicholson that's right. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> uh, a couple of documentarians, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Come on in. Here's space funding and equipment <laughs> for you. We get to film you now. Yeah. What don't you want us to film? I. You know what? Let's do it. Let's make a Judd Apatow <laughs> style <Appetow-style laughs> documentary where it's mostly about the subject, but so much about us also. <laughs> yeah. so it's like us going home to our wives they are mad that we're doing the documentary we blame them I want my audience to say yes I care about Jack Nicholson but mostly I care about how much these documentarians care (laughs) that's what I want if you want to have a good time I'm going to leave you with this. <laughs> oh, please! <laughs> you should go online. Always a good time. And full stop. That's where it is. And you should um, pick up YouTube. www.youtube.com. Scoop it up. Put it in your basket. Check out, and then visit it at your leisure. There is a video uh, of, uh, 60 on, from, of six on of six. The television show, Sixty Minutes, okay. and it's Gregory Hines and Sammy Davis Jr. kind of having a dance-off. Okay. And it's wonderful. Okay. That sounds great. It really is great. Old-time showbiz. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. When people weren't afraid to just entertain. What do you aspire to do in the rest of the year? The rest of this year? Yeah. What are you, What projects are you excited about? What do you have coming up? Um, I don't know. I... <laughs> Listen, I have nothing. You heard it here first. This is the Mark Little. This is meltdown step one. Meltdown step one. You know what? Comedy meltdowns happen, they happen. and I'm not talking about the television the television show meltdown or the stand up show meltdown at at, at at LA's own nerd melt. Also, did you know that um, there's on, an up, esports nerd. bar in Toronto called? Meltdown? I didn't know. It just exists. An esports bar. Yeah, that's video games. Mm-hmm. The new scariest thing I can see on the street at any given time is a VR lounge. Yeah, there's I a lot of. I see kids going yeah. into those, and I feel like this is literally how parents must have felt about kids going into arcades in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, it seems so dirty and sketchy. And it's probably far more expensive than your average arcade. I wouldn't know. I've never been in. You don't have to deny. A VR experience, you think, just based on like Toronto rent, Toronto. I think that just that the, the concept of VR uh, is more than arcades. It was like 50 cents. You were like, wow, this game's 50 cents. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I think even a normal arcade is more than that. Now do arcades exist? You're still like, nobody's like playing too much in a normal arcade now, you know, I'm probably spending 20 bucks. They're at home. Yeah. VR, I bet you 20 bucks gets you like 10 minutes. I bet you (laughs) you're coming out swinging against VR lounges and I'm honest it's too much I think maybe 20 bucks gets you an hour what do you think happens in your average VR lounge (laughs) Hardcore sex. <laughs> I think it's a, the, what I actually picture is you lie down. This is the only image I consistently have in my mind is you lie down in one of those massage chairs with a hole for your face. But then I guess there's a mask on you. But that chair is so that you can like be flying when that's called for in the game. Right. And then maybe your arms are in holsters and they they make you fly too. And so your arms might fly. Also, uh, I once did punch up for dialogue in a VR game. Oh, cool. Yeah, what was the game? I can't tell you. Okay, it, has it not come out? It came out. What? Yeah. Is it a non-disclosure <laughs> I mean, agreement? I don't know. Probably. What do you <laughs> mean? Pro- did you sign? It's, it's, it's called, called Blasters of the Universe. It's a bullet hell game. Blasters of the Universe. That's fun. Does it have anything to do with He-Man beyond the no title? They're just. Kidding. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's kind of like when Ghostbusters. Was, they did the other Ghostbusters, Toastmasters. No, there was another show called Ghostbusters. You remember Toastmasters? <laughs> uh, oh, I, the. I, Someone told me I should join Toastmasters. <laughs> A mean person I mean. once gave me this insult. <laughs> what was what do you mean the show Ghostbusters? Like the Real Ghostbusters animated show? That's why the Real Ghostbusters was called the Real Ghostbusters. There was like the Bush There was Also another show called Ghostbusters that like was from the 70s and was based on like an older property called the Ghostbusters. It predated the films. Yeah and in fact the movie Ghostbusters had to purchase the rights from the other movie Ghostbusters to name the movie Ghostbusters and then all these women named Ghostbusters did you see that Ghostbusters? I did see it they say it was good, it was bad oh (laughs) (laughs) it's Mark Little am I allowed to say that? Of course, so this goes back to my point earlier and I'm keeping it. I'm glad it exists. Um, there's lots of bad movies that I watched when I was a kid that inspired me, and then now I think they're bad. I think that this is a, mostly a kid's movie that I'm glad that people liked. But I didn't like it, but there's one joke that I loved when they made the joke about the mayor being really upset about being compared to the Jaws mayor. And <laughs> screaming I them. am nothing like the Jaws mayor. It's a great joke. I just thought, uh, yeah, I used to think that if I didn't like something, it basically didn't deserve to exist. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And I've never had the confidence to feel that way about anything because I always assumed that I'm probably not the most right out of anyone. No, you're probably not so, the most right. So there's people with much better taste than me. So then how could I know? So I'm glad things exist for all. People. Now I feel that way. Back in the day, I'd be like, why is your band around? They're bad. Right, yeah. Why is this book out? It's bad. Why did Shopgirl come out? It's bad. Oh, is that the Steve a Martin one? A novel, a book, and then a movie. And nothing more fun than swinging on Steve Martin in this day and age. Oh my God, you white-haired crow, <laughs> get lost! All right, we gotta go. I uh, please don't let this end on that Ghostbusters <laughs> thing. <laughs> I will die for its right to exist. <laughs> it's like but, free speech, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, I hate that I didn't like it more, but... <laughs> that's, that's the era we live in.
0: If, I hate that I didn't like it more. That's
1: it, because I don't want to be compared in any way to the people who didn't like it simply because they didn't want it to exist. And totally. yet, we have that one thing in common. I mean, um, yeah. But I would say that, you know, it's just representative of a brand of comedic film that I don't necessarily like, which is also includes Deadpool and any other apatow inspired movie where multiple scenes drag on so long while people try alternative punchlines on each other. <laughs>
0: okay, well, it's here's... like, no, it's so slow. <laughs>
1: Here's the thing about Deadpool, though. Not really supposed to be a comedy, and that's why I accept Deadpool. That's it's true.
0: Supposed it's supposed to be in the spirit of how the character is, which
1: is actually accurate. So that's a tricky one. Listen. Me. I had, like, I couldn't watch the first Deadpool in one sitting. Right. Like, I had to chop it up, and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I got through it. The second one I had an easier time with, but it was, like, somehow not as good. Right. Probably because when I'm a... talking about Deadpool, Specifically, what I'm talking about is that chunk with who's the guy who's like the comedic relief, TJ Miller. Yes, and it's like him telling Deadpool what his face looks like. Oh yeah, that's terrible. terrible. It's and it's just that's the part that's like Judd Apatow. Yeah, that's the part. Yeah, and it's your face looks like a pile of slime fell on the floor, and then some, and then a hobo peed on it, and then and then there's dog ate it thing that everyone does now which is just say the same thing twice. Yeah, they the got it. kind on. of dumb, blunt punchline. It's like, you look like an avocado fucked another avocado. You know, you play the redundancy game. Yeah. And it's a... I remember laugh I used to love jokes like that. And then it's... And you now it's just like, yeah, now Wendy's brand has that joke. Well, yeah, you could definitely go back to like early... <laughs> my, my mid-2000s canon. Yeah, and I was there too. I was making those jokes. Moderation Town, the web series. Oh, and... <laughs> rest in peace listen like all jokes they're every bad most bad jokes started out as good jokes
0: like my friend
1: tim gilbert and i have uh you know a scene where we're basically doing that and just like burning each other you know uh-huh. and he goes you look like you just got you were you look like you just got out of the wind in the sun or something Never mind. I'm mean, going to delete this part. <laughs> Please delete it. Please delete all the ghost parts. <laughs> we got to came after. Mark, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me, Nick. And thank you for the orange tart. You'll have to do this again. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon Omer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Put this behind the paywall. Paywall. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. And that was Mark Little. Might chat with the great Mark Little, hilarious comedian. You can find He's his on Twitter stand-up on YouTube. Mark 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 little great stuff there. He's got a show called Cavendish on CBC. He's a member of Picnic Face. You can find them on YouTube. I mean, they're defunct, but you can still find them on YouTube. He's Mark Little. We speak his name. And you can support the show by subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling a friend supporting us on Patreon, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and basically just having a great time listening to it. Thank you. You are my heart. Let's talk again soon. Nick Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly